What do you hear? I hear the water. I hear the birds. Do you hear your own heartbeat? No. Do you hear the grasshopper, which is at your feet? Old man, how is it that you hear these things? Young man, how is it that you do not? Hello, divers, coming to you from an undisclosed location deep in the quarantine zone. Welcome to the Deep Dive Microcast. I'm Tom Feeney, raconteur, compulsive hand washer, and writer for Wings Chop Movie Magazine, available on Amazon.com. This is a companion series of the Deep Dive Podcast, where myself and my co-host, Manda, look at the lesser-known offerings on your streaming media feeds. On this microcast, we'll dive into the history of the kung fu movie craze in America. So grab your black belt and buckle up for this edition of the Deep Dive Microcast. Now, when I refer to kung fu, I'm speaking of the generic term given to Chinese martial arts, mostly by outsiders. Legend has it that Chinese martial arts go back 4,000 years to the Zia dynasty. Kung Fu and its practice have played an important part in Chinese popular culture for centuries, both in literature and in performances by the famous Beijing Opera. When it comes to film, however, the first known example came in 1938 with the Hong Kong-made the Adventures of Feng Sai-yuk, based on the life of a Chinese folk hero. The kung fu genre continued to be popular with Chinese audiences for years, until a somewhat different type of martial arts film began to grow in popularity. There have been many accomplished martial artists over the decades, and many of them can do seemingly superhuman feats. But the protagonists in the genre of wuxia movies have something a little more. Typically set in pre-modern China, wuxia typically concerns a lone martial artist with a strong code of honor who finds himself in a situation where he must use his abilities to help others or solve a problem. Now, the difference between wuxia and kung fu is that wuxia deals more with the spiritual and the supernatural. Jackie Chan, for example, made kung fu movies like Rumble in the Bronx, where Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon would be considered wuxia because of its setting and characters with supernatural abilities. The two styles of martial arts movies would vie for dominance in the Chinese box office for years, but those films rarely made any impact in other countries, especially in the West. That was until... Another challenge for the Green Hornet. His aide, Kato, and their rolling arsenal, the Black Beauty. On police records, a wanted criminal. The Green Hornet is really Britt Reed, owner-publisher of the Daily Sentinel. His dual identity, known only to his secretary and to the district attorney. And now, to protect the rights and lives of decent citizens, rides the Green Hornet. The 1966 ABC TV series, The Green Hornet, introduced American audiences to 25-year-old Lee Jun Fan, better known 
as Bruce Lee. Lee played Kato, the title character's assistant and crime-fighting sidekick who actually did most of the kicking. Even though the show lasted only one season, the role got Lee his very fast feet in the door, which led to other TV appearances, but nothing substantial. Lee was convinced to go to Hong Kong to star in a feature film. That film was The Big Boss. There have been superheroes, supervillains, and super movies, but there has never been anything like karate and kung fu. <laughs> Bruce Lee, he's the man with the fists of fury, karate, and kung fu. The new screen excitement you've been waiting for. Introducing the incredible heroics of Bruce Lee. Every limb of his body is a lethal weapon against an army of men. It went on to become a huge box office hit across Asia and Europe and jump-started the popularity of the kung fu film in America. Sadly, just as Bruce Lee's star was rising, it burnt out just as quickly. Lee passed away on July 30th, 1973, presumably from an allergic reaction to a painkiller Lee was taking due to a recent cerebral edema or swelling of the brain. Lee's death was mourned worldwide, but the seed he planted in American pop culture grew. His last film, Enter the Dragon, was a massive hit worldwide, grossing over half a billion in 2020 dollars. Lee's sudden death sent shockwaves through the Chinese film industry. On one hand, there was concern that without his continued presence and promotion of kung fu films, their popularity would diminish. On the other hand, it presented an opportunity for other studios to take advantage of Lee's fame and his name. Dozens of movies capitalizing on Lee's fame appeared seemingly overnight. There were titles like Bruce Lee, We Miss You, Bruce's Fist of Vengeance, Bruce Strikes Back, and Enter the Fat Dragon, along with many, many others. Chinese martial artists that either looked like or fought like Bruce Lee had to change their stage names to sound like Bruce Lee's, somehow hoping to fool gullible audiences. There was Bruce Lai, Bruce Leh, Bruce Lay, Dragon Lee, and even Bronson Lee. The clones of Bruce Lee. The respected and loved Chinese superstar Bruce Lee has just died. Starring Dragon Lee, Bruce Lee, and Bruce Lai. Suddenly and without warning, he fell into a coma today. The clones of Bruce Lee brings a new dimension to martial arts films. Scientists and police made a momentous decision. They would create the clones of Bruce Lee. One who was groomed to take Lee's place was a stuntman who worked with the real Bruce Lee. His name was Jackie Chan. Chan starred in New Fist of Fury in 1976. Needless to say, it did not propel Jackie Chan into superstardom. That wouldn't happen until he began adding physical comedy to his martial arts movies with 1978's Drunken Master. During the remainder of the 1970s, kung fu films remained popular in the United States. Titles like Five Fingers of Death, The 36th Chamber of Shaolin, 
and Master of the Flying Guillotine found their way to many big city movie marquees and late night UHF television stations. In 1972, a year before his death, Bruce Lee wrote, directed, and starred in the film Way of the Dragon. One memorable fight scene in that film pitted Lee against an American karate champion. Chuck Norris is John T. Booker. Good guys wear black. He once was their spy. Now he must die. There's a contract out on me. We were set up. Murder, Mr. Booker. Set up. Once he was their spy. Now it's kill or die. Good guys wear black. Norris had no intention of making acting a career. He already owned a chain of karate studios in California and was a trainer to the stars. One of his clients, actor Steve McQueen, encouraged Norris to take acting seriously as a career. And while Norris would never really be known for any discernible acting ability, he was able to parlay his considerable skills as a martial artist and his personal charisma into a successful on-screen career that has lasted nearly 50 years. Norris has appeared in over 30 films and starred in several television shows, including Walker, Texas Ranger, and this somewhat forgotten animated gem. Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris, man of action. Chuck Norris stars in Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. Chuck Norris, he's got nerves of steel and strength to match. Chuck Norris with his team, Pepper. It's too dangerous, Chuck. Wow. Too much. Too much. Kimo, the Samurai Warrior. Reed, Chuck's teenage apprentice. Tabe, a sumo champion. With Chuck Norris, they battle the sinister forces of the Claw. Remember this. And the ruthless Super Ninja. Chuck Norris stars in Chuck Norris Karate Commandos. One aspect of the kung fu craze of the 1970s that gets glossed over is its impact on the African-American community. With the exodus of middle-class whites from large metropolitan areas at the time, downtown movie theaters became places where people of color could come and share a communal experience. Many of these theaters were aging, crumbling movie palaces that became known as grindhouses because they would book mostly exploitation movies like horror films and, yes, kung fu movies. It wouldn't be long before independent movie producers would combine two of the 70s most popular grindhouse genres, the so-called exploitation movie and the kung fu film. It was an explosive combination. Enter Jim Dragon Kelly. He clubbers them off as Black Belt Jones. Black Belt Jones leads his private commandos into the nerve center of a gangland stronghold to crack a super crime conspiracy. This is the movie that breaks through to a new dimension in film excitement as Kelly takes on the underworld. Of course, the influence of martial arts films on the African-American community didn't end there. Just ask Wesley Snipes or Michael J. White or the Wu-Tang Clan. The Kung Fu craze had a relatively short shelf life in American theaters. It made way for the over-the-top action movies of the 1980s. 
It did make a bit of a comeback in the 1990s when Hong Kong superstar Jackie Chan finally made it to mainstream America with Rumble in the Bronx and paved the way for other Asian stars like Jet Li, Chow Yun-Fat, and Donnie Yen. The flashier wuxia style also made a comeback in films like Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill and The Matrix Trilogy. Now, if you're interested in taking a deep dive into the kung fu genre, there are some streaming services that should do the trick. Amazon Prime Video has a good selection of films going all the way back to the 1970s, and the service Asian Crush has a library of both older and newer kung fu selections, and there's also a subscription service called Haya. I'm not kidding, Haya, and it offers hundreds of hours of kung fu content for just $3.99 a month. So there's really plenty out there for you to get your uh, kicks. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. Next time on the Deep Dive Podcast, Manda and I celebrate being shut-ins by naming our favorite claustrophobia-inducing flicks. Be there or be stuck in a square. We want to hear from you. Drop us a line at the Deep Dive Podcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feeds. You can find links to those on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.com. All clips used in the Deep Dive Microcast are meant for educational purposes only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. The Deep Dive Lounge theme was arranged and performed by Robert Acorn, based on the original composition by Ryan Blaney. The Deep Dive Microcast is a production of Automaton Studios.